Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Cowboy Chronicles of the Oklahomans, Oklahoma State Athletics Podcast. I am your host, Scott Wright, joined by Jacob Unruh. And Jacob, it is Bedlam Week. We're finally back at it in the middle of the week. We've had uh, had some issues with some basketball things getting in our way, making it difficult for us to get together to pod. But we're back at it for Bedlam Week. We wouldn't miss this one. Blame Mike Boynton. That's right. Nah, don't blame Mike. He's too nice. <laughs> He's too nice. I know. That's why I said it, because it's really funny <laughs> when you think you want to blame Mike Boynton for right. something. Exactly. He's too nice to blame for this. Yes. Uh, life has gotten in the way. So uh, that's how it goes. Work life has gotten in the way. So we apologize for not bringing you a couple of midweek podcasts the last uh, the last two weeks. But we're back for Bedlam Week. Jacob, I, uh, I can't get a good read on this game. And uh, it feels weird to say that because the last time I felt this way, I'm pretty sure it was the Iowa State game. And Oklahoma State obviously lost that one. So it uh, feels weird to, to say that because I really – I really sense that this is this is Oklahoma State's game to lose, but I can't get a good feeling about it. Yeah, I've gone back and forth the last few days, maybe a week or two, really. And then I've listened to the players talk, and they seemed really confident tonight. And they should they be. They really did. They really should be, but I don't remember this confidence the last two years with right. Bedlam coming up. There was a, uh, a definite level of, of comfort in the room tonight as the players were talking, I thought. Yeah, you know, Spencer had Spencer had more comfort. Malcolm looked really comfortable. Brendan Evers looked pretty confident. Yeah. Um, Logan Carter, I think, felt pretty good. Right. I don't, I don't know. That, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't read too much into that, but I felt like that kind of boosted how I felt about OSU's chances. That's fair. That's fair. I'm... Uh, I, I definitely sense that in the room tonight, so I'm not going to argue with you there. Um, I just can't get a good uh, a good read on what's going to happen, and, and obviously it's because I think Oklahoma has been such a schizophrenic team mm-hmm. that you it's hard to predict which version of uh, of the Sooners is going to show up. That's uh, that's the thing that I'm probably having the most difficulty with is trying to figure out which OU team we're going to see on Saturday. Yeah, the the question is, is it going to be? Because they, they haven't really played a complete game. No. Um, the offense has been good and the defense has been bad. Or the defense has been good and the offense has been bad. There's right. not, you know, it, it's it's chasing each other, essentially. And if they come out and play a complete game, I think OSU can really be in some trouble. Right. Um, but I you can't predict that at this point. No. And, you know, we've seen OSU have success against young quarterbacks. And obviously, Caleb Williams is a true freshman, about to see the the tough, the best defense he's ever seen, probably in his life, I right. assume. And it's not going to be easy for that offense. And so, I still lean that way. Yeah, and and Williams is coming off a game where he really didn't play all that well. He had the big run early, the seventy-four yard touchdown run, but he goes eight of eighteen passing for eighty-seven yards and a pick. Um, I mean, uh, that's really, uh, really mediocre numbers compared to what he had been doing since he came in in that Texas game. 
and just wowed everybody with with what he's been able to do. But it's two games in a row. The offense has uh, has has stumbled and uh, and hasn't been uh, hasn't been as effective as it was before that when it looked like uh, like Williams was the uh, um, the you know the savior that was that was coming in to to bring this team back to uh, to greatness and uh, and they've they've looked uh, very much human the last two weeks yeah I was just about thinking I was like and this is against an Iowa State defense that gave up over 500 yards to Tech the week before exactly but maybe Tech plays a little more to the opponents than think people realized more to their level their opponents yeah that's possible um that's the only thing I can think to explain Iowa State this year. But, right. um, yeah, I just – when you look at Caleb Williams struggling like that, um, I think it's been, what, three games now or in a row that he's just not throwing the ball well. Right. And it's a lot of trying to throw the ball deep and get those big plays, and that just hasn't worked against OSU this year for anybody. No. Um, so I go that way. You know, Kennedy Brooks could be a difference maker, obviously. Um, at running back, if he has a good game, he had a good game last week and had a few down games before that. And you know, but I the offensive line for OU hasn't been great. It's just right. it's not the same offense, you know. And maybe Lincoln Riley is going to be the offensive genius that he normally is, and he's got a bunch of tricks up his sleeve for OSU's defense. But I don't know. I, I just I I don't know. Yeah, I think Lincoln Riley is another wild card in this game because of his uh, his creativity. And and his uh, ability to bring out some stuff that Oklahoma State hasn't seen on film yet, and and that's going to be the key is how quickly and how well does Oklahoma State adjust? And we've talked about that multiple times this year at uh, about how how well they adjust on the fly. Um, you know, they're not a defense that has to wait until halftime to go regroup and, and come back with a better plan. They're able to uh, to really adjust on the fly in games. Taking calls from uh, from from upstairs, from Jim Knowles, and uh, and and making adjustments on the sideline rather than having to wait until halftime to to regroup. So uh, I think that's a a really important factor because if Oklahoma comes out and scores, uh, you know, 17 really quick, and the Oklahoma State offense isn't matching that, it it could get really difficult for Oklahoma State really quickly. That's uh, that, that's one scenario that they've got to avoid, I think, Jacob. Yeah, that's and that's one thing that you and I have talked about. I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast, but it seems like the one way that you have an advantage over OSU is you can score early on that defense. If you jump up early on the defense and stop and, and the OSU doesn't match, puts them in a hole. It did it Texas. Right. That's why Texas had such an advantage, if not for Jason Taylor's pick six, which clearly saved this season. Yeah. If not for his pick six, they were in deep trouble there. And... We're, who knows how the season turns out? And so, if you're OU, you try to jump out quick, um, with 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 everything you got to get up quick and see if you can hold them off that way. But I, it's easier said than done. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, you look at the at the Oklahoma defense; they've got some uh, some playmakers on that side of the ball. You haven't seen uh, the consistency that you've seen from Oklahoma State's defense. Uh, but but few teams are doing that, so that's a <laughs> apples and orange comparison. But um, but there's they still haven't been incredibly consistent. They there are there are certain guys that, that show up a lot. Nick Benito shows up a lot. Um, guys like that. Uh, you know I don't I don't think the secondary is all that strong. I think the the injuries and uh, issues that they're going through back there have uh, have weakened that unit a little bit. 
I just I see some areas where I think Oklahoma State can attack. I'm not saying they're going to go score 40, but I think that they can attack and and make an impact on uh, on the field offensively, especially if Jalen Warren is healthy and the offensive line is uh, is some semblance of healthy. Um, I think the uh, the health issues last week against Texas Tech really slowed things down a little bit and and hampered the offense more than you realized. One, because they were still scoring points, and two, because the defense was playing a ridiculous game. So I think the offense has a chance with some good health and and some veterans back in, in key spots to, uh, to, to go score some points and, and do some things that uh, that can help uh, you know help give the defense a little boost uh, so they don't feel like they're having to do everything on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, I you know I think one thing and I, I wrote this in in today's paper and Tuesday's paper we're recording this on Tuesday. Um, the offense has been better than people give it credit for. Yes, it's especially Big Twelve play. The offense has really picked it up. They're leading the Big Twelve in a lot of categories, including total points, in during Big Twelve play. Right. Um, Spencer Sanders is a huge reason. His play has been great. Jalen Warren, obviously. Tay Martin, the offensive line's been strong. Um, you got to like the chances for OSU's offense to at least not get overwhelmed. Right. And you like the, I, I like the decision-making of Spencer lately. Um, and he talked a lot about that tonight, about, you know, being willing to throw the ball away more and how it was, you know, it was a hard adjustment for him at first, but he's doing it now and he's making the right decisions. And it's, he says he, he considers it a good completion to throw it out of bounds, Yeah, which he's like, I know it's not a completion, he says, but it's also not a completion to the other team. Yeah. And so that's a good sign. And I think if, if he's, if he's calm and in control, I think OSU's offense is going to be in control. Yeah. And and he's doing that for the longest stretch of, of his career consistently right now. Going back to, uh, you know, really I'd say the second half of the Texas game. Uh, since then, he's been a, uh, a, a different type of quarterback. And, you know, he had, the, he had the one pick that was a really bad throw uh, in the first half against Texas in that second quarter. Uh, but since then, he's had just the one interception, which was that ridiculous play by uh, by. The Stills brother, I can't remember which Dante Stills, Stills Dante, right? Dante Stills, Stills. At, at, at West Virginia, and that's the only pick he's thrown since then. So, um, you know, he's playing on a uh, on a different level, and he understands the value of keeping possession of the ball, not uh, not not giving the other team a big momentum swing. And and he, he understands that he doesn't have to be Superman on every play, and uh, and thread a throw into a tight window, or uh, or you know whatever it is that he sees that he could possibly do. So um, you know it's it, he was really revealing, I thought, really introspective in uh, in talking about that tonight. It was pretty fascinating stuff. So um, really uh, really interesting to to have seen the the development of him over the uh, over the past two years and he's fired up for another bedlam because he missed the 2019 game his redshirt freshman year because of uh, because the injury he suffered against kansas then he got knocked out of uh last year's bedlam and ended up on the uh on the sidelines for uh, for a good portion of that game so 
it was uh, this is a, an opportunity he I think has been looking forward to for for a while, and I think that he feels the emotion of this game, and I and I think that that energizes him because he is so competitive. Yeah, he uh, he kind of lit up when we asked about that question. Yeah, he did. He was he was excited. Um, he didn't want to come out and say they're going to win, but he kind of did a little bit. Uh, wasn't as forceful as Tay Martin was, <laughs> right? Um, but I think. I think Spencer's going to be a difference maker if he's got protection. And uh, there's a lot of ifs around this, but uh, it's kind of how it goes. Yep, that's exactly right. So um, it's uh, there's a lot there's a lot of question marks in this game, and I think whoever answers those those questions in the most positive way is the team that's going to win this game. The you know if if Oklahoma's, you know, second half of Texas offense shows up, as opposed to uh, to the uh, the Baylor off the play, the offense played against Baylor, um, you know, I think it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be a real challenge for Oklahoma State to uh, to outscore them. I think that Oklahoma will find a way to put some points on the board, but at the same time, I think that Caleb Williams is going to see some things he's never seen. And it's going to be, you know, it's really going to test him mentally in the pocket. And you hear Mike Gundy talk about it all the time. If you're if you're thinking, you're playing slower. And I think that Oklahoma State is going to be able to make him think in a lot of uh, a lot of situations. And and that's going to slow things down for a guy who really relies on uh, on speed and and quickness. Both as a, a, a in, in how he moves and how he makes decisions. Yeah, I think uh, when you look at this defense, you know, I think Knowles is just a master of confusion and disguise. And uh, you know, he told me, uh, you know, spoiler alert: there's a story coming out tomorrow, uh, Wednesday's paper that I wrote on Jim Knowles. Kind of took a peek in the mind of the mad scientists. Um, I didn't get this in the story, so this is a little behind the scenes for people. But uh, he talked about, you know, in this league, um, the whole goal is to disguise because offensive coordinators, all they do is try to steal your signals. Right. They try to get you one up that way, and then they go for the jugular. And mm-hmm. so he's learned that it's all about disguise. And that's what he does very, very well at this point. And for a true freshman quarterback like Caleb Williams – who knows what he's going to see out there? He yeah. might feel like he's going to see fourteen cowboys on the field. He's going to be seeing ghosts. Yes, and that's going to that can make a huge difference if that's the case. Yeah, it it absolutely is. I think I think that's that's the uh, one of the big question marks on the Oklahoma State side is how well did they get into his head? If he is if he's seeing ghosts and and he's he's overthinking things and and having to analyze everything um i think that's really good news for oklahoma state i think that's going to be um you know they're going to be able to put pressure on him um i mean we've seen them do that to to everybody they've faced this year Uh, that's why they're uh they're one of the national leaders in sacks they're going to get in his face and uh, and at least make him move they're going to get him off his spots they're going to uh, to make him read the field on the move and with guys coming at him so I think if they do that well and and at the same time contain the run, 
uh, I think that's really good news for Oklahoma State in terms of how this game uh, plays out. So, um, you know, it's really hard to bet against this defense right now because, you know, and Mike Gunny has said it multiple times, he's, his biggest concern is that they're, that they're going to have a letdown eventually because they just haven't had one. And I wonder if they're so good that we just didn't even realize it. Maybe Iowa State was yeah. their letdown, exactly. and we just didn't notice because they're so good. The letdown is they could get to Brock Purdy in the second half. Yeah. So it's uh, it's a uh, it's a, a fascinating situation going on with uh, with this defense and how well they're playing. And, uh, and we'll see what what they can do in Bedlam. Um, just uh, just a little bit before we uh, we started taping, the uh, the college football playoff rankings came out. Oklahoma State at number seven, Baylor at number eight, Oklahoma at number ten. Um, your Big thoughts? Uh, proud here. Yeah, your thoughts on the Cowboys jumping up to number seven this week? I mean, I guess it's about right. I yeah. still think OSU should be higher. And I know I cover the team every day, but I I think they should be higher. Um, but I think. They, I'm starting to believe they have a chance if they win out the next two games. Um, starting to really feel that way. If they go and shut down OU and they go right. and beat Baylor again because Baylor obviously is very high in the minds of the playoff committee. Right. Um, it's going to be hard. I'm not saying they're going to get in, but I think it's hard to keep them out. And, you know, if you've got a the, – the question could come down to a two-loss Alabama – and a one-loss OSU, right? And that's going to be a fascinating conversation if uh, if that's what happens. Yes, that could be really fascinating to uh, to to watch how that plays out. So, I uh, yeah, you're right. I think I, I, seven is where I expected Oklahoma State to be. Um, I kind of feel like uh, like some of what they've done has uh, has gone under the radar a little bit. Um, Gary Barta did talk about the value of, of their Baylor win uh, in his uh, his teleconference tonight, uh, although it still feels like that's one that they're maybe not getting quite as much credit for. They're getting hurt with that being so early in the season, right. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it was a long time ago now, if you look back. so um, Because the, uh, the respect that Baylor is getting versus the respect that Oklahoma State is getting, they don't seem to align. In terms of, uh, of of Baylor being number eight with two losses, um, it's a it's a really interesting scenario to look at. I, I, it's weird because you better lost to TCU, right? Exactly, and then TCU got demoralized by OSU. So I yeah. just it's weird. Yeah, it is. It's it's very interesting the way that uh, that some of these guys are being viewed, some of these teams are being viewed um, by the committee. Gary Barta did. Um, now I asked him directly: Is Oklahoma State being viewed in a different pod? Because he was talking about the pods that teams are uh, are are viewed with in terms of uh, of their rankings. And he didn't. When I asked him directly, he didn't. Re, he kind of hedged a little bit. But earlier in the teleconference, before I, I got to ask my question, he did address Oklahoma State. In in the same conversation with the teams at four, five, and six. Okay. So, so it was uh, it was very interesting to hear uh, the way that he uh, the way that he talked about it because uh, because it sounded like they were getting looked at at least on some level with those teams. So, so good news, Cowboys fans. Yeah, 
I think that they've at least uh, they've at least cracked the door open a little bit to get themselves in that discussion now, and there's uh, there's nobody in in their range of the rankings that has as much left on the table as what Oklahoma State does in terms of two top ten teams that they that they they could possibly mm-hmm. beat the next two weeks. I, I don't think anybody else has that much left uh, that they can uh, that they can add to their resume. So it will be really interesting to see how this Oklahoma State is viewed team is viewed from here going forward with those two uh, with those two games on the uh, on the table for them. Yeah, I think obviously OSU needs to win out. There's no doubt there, but I think there's the added benefit if they win out, they've beaten OU at ten and Baylor at I don't know. A Baylor may stay at eight next week, but they right. could rise up too. If, you know, at that point going yeah, into next week, depending on what else happens. And so, but you beat two top ten teams. You don't you don't have to beat OU twice. I th- I don't think I don't think there's any value in beating the same team twice in, in two weeks. Right. Anymore. I don't I don't I don't think OU is going to get a big boost from it necessarily. If they beat OSU twice. Right. Um. I just I have a hard time seeing that because Baylor could still win Saturday and OU wins obviously and OU gets in the title game and 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 beats OSU like they still have that loss to Baylor that's above them so yeah. I, I just I, I don't think it's any benefit there I think OSU's best bet is to go win both games and it really boosts the resume yep it uh it absolutely is and uh I I think they become a team that demands respect at that point if they if they go win these two games so it's all it's all going to be fun. Nothing but interesting, as uh, as we like to say around our office. Yes. So. I'm excited. All right. Well, I believe that brings us to uh, to the most important thing I forgot. What uh, what else we got hanging out there? Oh, what else we have hanging out there? Let's see. Um, Should we talk some basketball? You've been uh, you've been uh, sure keeping up with the basketball team. Sure, they're pretty good. Um, they're solid. A little up and down at times right now. Um, you know, five and one going into Friday's. Matchup with the uh, Sweet 16 Cinderella Oral Roberts. Um, that's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. But I might write that this weekend. Um, but anyways, um, you know, the big men have made a huge difference for these yes. Cowboys. Boynton's never had this uh, availability of big men. Excuse me. Musa Cisse, who should be seven feet tall on the roster. <laughs> I don't know why he's not. This is at 6'10". He's getting the Kevin Durant roster treatment. Um, has made a big difference. Caleb Boone might be the most one of the most skilled post offensive players in the country. Yeah, and Tyreek Smith is really coming along. The Texas Tech transfer is making a big difference. Um, and they've added Bryce Williams back to the lineup. He's incredibly athletic, doing crazy, stupid plays last night um, in the in the route of Charleston. And um, Bryce Thompson's off to a really good start. Avery Anderson's been a little slow. Isaac Likely's been a little slow, but they're coming around a little. Avery had a really good night last night. So I think there's a lot to be excited about for this team. Um, it's early, but they're about to really kick up the meter schedule. They got ORU, obviously, and Max Asmus on Friday um, afternoon. And then next Wednesday, they got Wichita State. So they're really starting to pick up the schedule a little bit. Bryce Thompson is a guy that's uh, that's, uh, that's intriguing to me because I kind of thought he would maybe need a little bit of time to mm-hmm. to uh, to acclimate himself to uh, kind of the program and, and what was what was being expected of him. 
Um, has he has he outperformed expectations to this point? I think so. I think um, at least around uh, maybe the the team I think right. a little bit because I think the expectations with the fans are incredibly high for him. That makes but, sense. Um, he hit four three pointers last night. He's feeling looks like he's comfortable in the offense, um, playing solid defense. Um, he's not a great defender, um, but he does enough to get by, and um, he's made he's made a lot of progress i think offensively which has been the biggest thing because last year he was kind of a mess there with kansas so the injuries played a lot into that but you know i think that's been a really pleasant surprise it's got him in the starting lineup and um starting to make things happen yeah it's been a uh seems like a uh i know they had the the difficult loss to oakland um, but they seem to have responded really well since that uh, since that point and really have have kind of got to, got the season back on track from uh, from that point of the season. And we so. got to give credit to Mike Boynton on that. Um, he didn't like the way they played against Oakland, obviously, but I think it was he said it was selfish basketball. So I think there was a lot of egos coming into play in that right. one, and everyone trying to do their own thing, and it didn't work out. And so the next day, next game, two days later, he went to all platoons basically, where he just did same five on the floor at the same time, and and made it really hard. It was an ugly game, and he uh, he he made it ugly on purpose to prove a point that you have to play together yeah to be able to win games and i think uh it's really kind of resonated yeah it seems uh seems like it has hit home for those guys so really uh really impressive work by boynton um anything else that uh that, that i forgot i got i got one more if you don't have anything else i i don't i'm i'm dropping the ball tonight malcolm rodriguez was left off of the uh, the butkus award oh yeah finalist yeah. list um, six guys on the list, if I counted right, and uh, and he was not among them. Five. Was it five? Yeah. Okay. I don't know why I had six in my head. Um, six would have been him. I hope. I uh, you know. would hope. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, some surprising names on uh, on that list. Uh, some uh, obviously, I'm not a, I'm not a voter. Uh, I didn't dig into it as deeply as I would have if I was a voter. Um, but it's just really hard to imagine guys that are as productive and as meaningful to their team as Malcolm Rodriguez. Yeah, I, I don't get it. When I saw the guy from Wyoming on there, I thought, yeah. what? I don't even know anything about Wyoming this right. year. Um, and, and the Georgia guy is a, is a big-time player. Yes. Um, obviously, they're a great defense. Uh, but statistically, he doesn't stack up to what Malcolm is doing. No. So it's uh, it's really odd. Seeing the uh, the names that made it and the names that didn't. and then PFF I think has Malcolm as like the fourth best linebacker in FBS right graded out on their on their analytics system, you know. Then so I, I he seems like a no brainer to at least be a finalist. I don't think he right. I didn't think he's going to win the award, but he should at least been a finalist. Yeah, and you know PFF I okay I voted in the uh, the Blitnikoff Award this year. I am a voter in the Blitnikoff. It's not over yet. Uh, I got to remind myself of that. I got to still, still one more vote to cast. <laughs> uh, don't want to forget about that one. Um, but uh, you know, you look at, I, I, you know, I looked at every piece of information that I that I could, and PFF was was one that I took. I, I put a lot of stock in uh, because it takes into account the uh, the full game. Uh, you know everything that a, that a player does. You know it, it takes into account run blocking and, mm-hmm. and all these different sorts of things and how they're graded across the board. Um, you know I didn't. I mean I didn't follow their their numbers out the window, 
but I definitely put a lot of stock in uh, in that when I was when I was making my judgments and comparing if I was voting on a linebacker I think I would put even more stock in PFF yeah uh, because so much of what a receiver does is production related and and can be told statistically uh, rather than in terms of grades but at linebacker you've got you've got to factor in both I think so um, you know I was a little surprised to, to see the way that uh, that things went for Malcolm um, did, didn't seem to bother him all that much no he didn't seem to care his teammates seemed to care more yeah now I think people are going to riot in Stillwater if Jim Knowles is not a finalist for the <laughs> Broyles Award yes that will uh, that will be the case and um, and that's really probably short of a national championship and a Big 12 title I would put uh, I would put the Broyles Award third on uh, the the most prestigious accomplishments yes. for for this team, what they can uh, they can achieve at this point, uh, because that is a uh, that is a team wide award. Obviously, Bro- Knowles is is getting the attention for the Broyles Award for being the defensive coordinator and being one of the best assistant coaches in the game, but. It's because his players are executing, because his staff is uh, is is doing everything right, and it's uh, it's it's a group wide effort to to get Jim Knowles on that list as a semifinalist, one of fifteen that was announced earlier today. So, uh, really uh, really impressive feat, and I think that that's a a pretty high honor that uh, that Oklahoma State is going to be in line for at that point. We'll see how it goes from here. Obviously, a couple of more. Impressive defensive performances will uh, will help his case greatly. So we'll see. All right. Anything else, Jacob? I think that's it. Let's go All have right. some Bedlam football. Let's and do some it. Turkey and some turkey. It's uh, it's a, a good week for both. All right. With that, we will wrap up this edition of the Cowboy Chronicles, and we will talk to you again on Saturday night. <laughs>